G'day guys, Josh here. This is part one of a two-part conversation with the CEO and co-founder of Rogue Amoeba, Paul Kafarsis. He's a super awesome guy. And today we talk mostly about their most well-known product, I guess, in the podcasting space, which is Audio Hijack. We also talk a little bit about how Rogue Amoeba has grown, changed, evolved over the years. I think they're almost 20 years in the business. And we finish up quickly talking about their editing app, Fission. So that's all coming up today. My name's Josh. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, The Survival Guide, everyone. I'm here with Paul Kafarsis, who is the CEO of Rogue Amoeba, which is a pretty amazing audio company in the space. And I think Paul will probably tell us about it didn't start out maybe as a podcast-focused business and maybe still isn't entirely, but has been embraced by our space. And if it's okay, Paul, I just wanted to start with a little story. All right. This is about Audio Hijack, which is probably the product maybe people are most familiar with. I have a show called On The Bubble Podcast, and it has lots of sound clips that I had to collect from YouTube videos, and all approved. I got got permission to get all this stuff, and this is how I used to have to do it. I used to record it out of an output on my computer into a digital recorder. That would record under some silly file name, like Zoom45557. I'd then have to import all of those back into the computer, not know what any of them were, because they'd have all these wild file names. And then go back, re-listen and rename them all. And that process, although it doesn't sound, I've described it in 30 seconds, was multiple minutes per clip. Now with Audio Hijack, I press record. <laughs> that's, that's what we like to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and over the course of a show that takes hours and hours and hours to produce, just saving that time made it, the price of entry alone was worth it for me. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. So, so what you just described is certainly the way that recordings were done for a long time, running uh, an analog cable out of something and, and into something else. And Audio Hijack is definitely intended to make it so that you do not need to run cables out, out of your computer or out of anything, really. Exactly. So you mentioned Audio Hijack, but let's get back to Rogue Amoeba for a second. Can you tell us about you being the CEO, maybe what your vision of Rogue Amoeba was and maybe how you feel the company exists in the market now? Oh, wow. So the company was yeah, started yeah, just we, over Yeah, we start 19... with the big questions here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the, the company was started just over 19 years ago, and it would be grandiose to describe having any sort of vision beyond we had a product that we wanted to provide to people and see if they were interested in it, and if they were, if they would pay for it, and if they would pay for it, if it would make enough money to... Uh, make a living for us. So that was that was very much the the initial impetus for for forming the company. We had this this product Audio Hijack, which has been around now for almost two decades, but uh, obviously a much simpler version, a much uh, lower in terms of features, a, a lighter version that we came out with in two thousand two. But we were we had developed this product and we wanted to get it out there, and we said, all right, let's let's slap together a website and 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 make make a company in. So that's 2002, September 30th of 2002 is when we put Audio Hijack on sale. And I think I, I'm fudging the numbers at this point, but basically within about three days, the company was in the black because oh, it doesn't cost that much to, to set up a website and to set up a little bit of payment processing. I think it was, we probably were down a few hundred bucks, maybe 600, 800 bucks and sales were enough within just a couple of days that we had at least covered that. So yeah. that's, that's certainly, that was a, that was a good, good start. 
And over time, pretty quickly, we saw a lot of people taking an interest in this product and and from there have grown to be a, an 11 person company with seven different products. And I, I should do a count, but we're probably at about 800 or 900, close to a thousand product updates over that 20 year period. So, uh, wow. whole, whole, so the, the vision was to get this product out and, and see if anybody cared and people did, <laughs> and it has grown quite a bit since then. Obviously we're still, you know, an 11 person company does not sound that big when you're thinking of Microsoft or Adobe or, you know, any, any larger software company that's publicly traded, anything like that. But, uh, we have hundreds of thousands of users. We've made, uh, you know, millions of dollars in sales over that 20 years. And, uh, helped a whole lot of people do a whole lot of different things with audio. So the the to go back to your question, the initial vision was very simple. The current vision would be something more along the lines of, yeah, helping as many Mac users as possible with all their audio needs. You set me up, I guess, put the ball on the tee there for me. The difference between Rogue Amoeba and Microsoft, and I say this as a for, former IT manager, your products actually work. So, <laughs> well, I'll, if I set you up for that, then great. I should do that every time. I mean, time, I figure but, I've uh, got a guy that works on a Mac only based company, so I may as well yeah. just give it to the Windows people when I have the chance. So, who were those people in 2002? Because, as you know, the stories were told that podcasting didn't exist really in the sense that we understand it then. What, and not to sound like a spammy internet marketing type person, but what problem was it that you were solving? Who was that person if it wasn't a podcaster at the time? Was there some who was it that you were offering the product to? Sure. So, so the basic uh, I should give you know twenty seconds of background on Audio Hijack. The tagline for Audio Hijack is record any audio, and the idea is that any audio you hear on your Mac, you're able to record. And so that uh, we're, we're talking about podcasting right now, but that can cover almost anything. Yeah. Uh, so. The initial idea we had for it was twofold. One was uh, applying an equalizer and other audio effects, but like a 10-band EQ to basically any audio that you're watching or listening to, I should say, but watching alongside a movie, say. So people wanted to have an EQ inside of DVD player. Uh, <laughs> so there's an app that uh, I think it still ships with the Mac, but no one's opening it because no one has a DVD player built into their Mac anymore. No. But people were watching movies and they said, oh, I want the audio to sound a little bit better. And Audio Hijack's ability to capture that audio, instead of saving it to a file, it was able to apply audio effects to that audio and, and improve the audio a little bit. So, sorry, Paul, that was in real Go time. Ahead. You were Yes, up, yes. Uh, wow. So, so you're, you're watching the movie and the audio flows through Audio Hijack. Audio Hijack tweaks it a little bit and ideally makes it sound a little bit better. Wow. Gives it some more bass, uh, <laughs> something along those lines. And, and yeah, so that was, that was something where, you know, DVD player didn't have an EQ built in. iTunes at the time, I, I don't want to say for certain because I'm not certain, but iTunes at the time may not have had one. If, if it did, it was relatively new. iTunes was relatively new. But, you know, there were other ways to listen to music that didn't have audio effects at all. So people were using it to uh, improve the quality of audio on their computer. And then the other thing was something that's dated even more than DVD player, which is real player. <laughs> I don't know if you recall the real player streaming format. I, I remember a uh, friend of mine used it regularly. Yes. So basically anything that was streaming online in 2002, almost anything, if you were going to stream a concert or, uh, you know, any sort of live show would have streamed via real player and real player could only be listened to in real time. That wasn't why they called it that, but uh, <laughs> it was not something that you could record. So if you missed the concert, you were just out of luck and, and that was the end of it. With Audio Hijack, what you could do is set your computer up to record 
anything on a timer. And if you had a bookmark to where this stream was going to be, you could record it, get an MP3 file out, which then you could listen to on your Mac. You could drop on your iPod, another thing that would date us. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm running through all the old technology here, really. Yeah. But yeah, so it was it was something where those were sort of the two biggest use cases we saw, improving audio and then recording audio from real player streams. Podcasting became something that at least was talked about within about, uh, I'd say about three or four years. But in, initially, it was, it was much more uh, sort of a whole lot of scattered uses where, you know, somebody wants to, uh, we, another great one is people pulling sound bites off of DVDs. So you're describing pulling sound bites from YouTube videos. YouTube didn't even exist at the time, yeah, yeah. but DVDs did. And people said, oh, I want to grab a sound bite from this movie or, you know, this speech from, from something. Uh, Audio Hijack would make that possible. So it was it was something where we didn't we didn't ship it saying use it for podcasting or use it for uh, streaming you know doing an MP3 stream or, or something very specific. We said this will record audio and you tell us how you're going to use it. <laughs> so you mentioned that the tagline. I know we're spending a bit of time on audio hijack, but we'll move on in a minute. But is the record audio anywhere? Was it record any audio? Yeah, record any audio. Sorry, you've also I think described it as the Swiss Army knife, and I think it's a. F- Maybe a slightly flawed analogy, and I'll put it in the words of Seinfeld. He said okay. about the Swiss Army knife, not much of a weapon there. And <laughs> I agree. So I prefer to think about audio hijack, and I was trying to work out the perfect analogy. And the only thing I could come up with was to personify it. I think it's the Hugh Jackman of podcasting and audio <laughs> okay. because it's pretty much amazing at everything. This is a very Australian Australian analogy for us, but I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, he's Wolverine, so I guess he's global. And oh, I, I mean, Americans certainly know him, but he's yeah, from Australia. So right? Hugh is amazing at everything, and I believe that Audio Hijack is its as close to a perfect audio app as I've come across in my experience. In terms of what it professes to do, there's no weakness and flawed functionality in that process, in my opinion. And anything from Adobe Audition to Logic, all these other programs I use for music and whatever else, there's always something, Paul, where I go, that doesn't work how it's meant to work. Or okay. why, why do I have to do this kludgy thing to make a simple process work? Whereas Audio Hijack is, I want to record myself, press a button. I want to record a Skype call, press a button. I want to collect audio off the internet, which is my main use for it, which sounds so simple, but it's a pain if you don't have Audio Hijack. Press a button. How much time do you guys put into first thinking about you know situations that people might want, but also making it so simple? Because I know just from a little bit of background in IT and things like that, simplicity is almost the hardest thing to achieve. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell so, us about your company's focus on that and how you actually achieve it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. How long have you used Audio Hijack? I've been using it particularly for the audio collection side of things, probably for about since 2016, I think. Okay. Yep. So so Audio Hijack 3, which is still the current version, 3 point, uh, God, what are we up to? 3.8 something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Audio Hijack 3 was a major revision, and that came out in 2015. And that has been sort of the, the ideal for this application. And that came out in 2015, Audio Hijack 1 shipped in 2002. So we had 13 <laughs> years where we were running through other versions and we had, we actually had two, uh, we had Audio Hijack and something called Audio Hijack Pro, which was sort of a more featureful version. And those were developed in parallel and sort of 
it was in 2015, we, we finally released Audio Hijack 3 and it unified the two products and it had the ideal for how we wanted this all to work, but it took us a long time to get there. So the, the simple answer to your question is that it took at least 12 years to get to uh, the simplicity that you're describing. The previous versions had a whole lot of power, but they didn't necessarily make it as easy to access that power where you're describing ideally just click one button and uh, you're able to do what you need to do. And if you're really looking to do something complex, you can configure it. And once you've got it configured again, it's really just one click to make it work. In terms of, you asked a question, how much do we spend, how much time do we spend thinking about specific scenarios? It's definitely not something that we, I, I don't sit down or our team doesn't sit down and think, you know, how is someone going to record from a DVD and how can we optimize for that? Uh, I think it's much more, we want to make the software work for any scenario and make it possible to do anything and then when there are some use cases that are more specific and more popular, we can say, all right, can we streamline things for that specific use case? And this is a great segue back to what you were initially talking about with podcasting, uh, recording a Skype call. There is actually a whole lot going on under the surface in Audio Hijack to do that, because when you record a Skype call, when you, when you make a Skype call, uh, your microphone is being sent out to the other person. Their microphone is being sent to you. And there are basically two different audio streams that need to be recorded. If we just point at Skype and say, hey, record the audio from Skype, your own microphone audio would not be part of that. You'd only get the other party's audio. And so Audio Hijack is configured by default to capture both halves of that conversation by saying, okay, they're on a Skype call. They're going to want the remote audio, obviously, but also the local audio from the microphone. And that is a, that's a, one example of something where we said, all right, this is literally in 2005, 2006. We said, all right, people are trying to do these podcasts and Skype at the time was the tool to do it. Now there's, you know, Zoom and FaceTime and other, other VoIP tools, but Skype was the tool to do an interview remotely the way we are. And by default, they would say, okay, just record Skype. And they'd think, okay, I'm going to get the conversation I'm having. And they wouldn't. Uh, and that was so that was somewhere where we said, all right, we need to configure this and, and do all the work on the back end for them so that it is really just one click to say, grab Skype audio and they don't need to know, oh, we're actually grabbing their microphone plus the remote audio and yeah. merging that together and giving them a file that has all of that in there. And I love the idea of they don't need to know. I mean, there's geeks and nerds in the world like me that like to know, but just the idea of I don't need to know. Like when I opened it up last, probably the first time Sorry, the first time that I went to use the Skype recording function was when I changed to an M1 Mac Mini. Okay. And I realized at that point that Call Recorder wasn't going yep. to work anymore. And I mostly record everything locally, but there's situations where I like a backup. And I went in there and I thought, okay, I do want to get both sides of the conversation. I'm used to having split tracks. I'm wondering what I'm going to have to tweak when I go in there. All I did, just for people to visualize what I'm talking about... It's a blocks-based exercise when you're looking at the screen, and I just opened the Skype or the VoIP recording preset. VoIP recording, yep. And then went on YouTube and said, okay, how to use Audio Hijack for Vo for Skype, and then I, I stepped, this guy had this amazing voice, and he talked through the whole thing, and then I realized, oh, I don't have to change anything. Right. Like, it's actually it's, all it's... done. This, even the splitting channels thing, I thought maybe I'm going to have yep. to choose to do that. Just all done. I'm like, this is incredible. It's literally, and, well, <laughs> and you're saying it the, took a lot of work. 
I mean, absolutely. It, it, it getting those defaults right was definitely first of all making it work, and then getting the defaults right was was certainly a lot of work. The thing to realize or or to add on to that is that we do make it possible to do whatever you're looking to do, mm. but those defaults are so important because we want it to be possible to just open it up and use it. The nerds, the geeks, the people who want to dive in, we certainly do not totally hide away the ability to adjust these things. But one of the one of the sort of UI I'm looking I'm looking at the application right now. One of the sort of UI ideas that we had was something we call an advanced section. Uh, you know, it's it's just labeled it says advanced and it's closed by default and if you click it you'll see some stuff in there that most people probably don't even need to touch. But if you know what you're doing or if you look at it and you realize, oh, you know what? I don't want those channels split. Uh, so I want the audio merged in this recording. Then you can turn that setting off or you can say, you know what? I actually only need the remote audio from this uh, Skype instance and I don't need my local audio to be recorded because I'm going to record that in a different session or something like that. So it's something where uh, you asked earlier about you know, how much time we spend trying to make these things work. Part of it is just there, there's there's at least two steps, probably a lot more, but there's at least two steps. One is making something work, making it possible. And yeah. then the second one is making it usable or making it easy to use even. And early on, and, and like I said, really for those first 12 years of Audio Hijack, we were very focused on making things possible. And obviously we, we said, you know, we want this to work. We want it to be easy. We want it to be as, as useful as possible to as many people as possible. But adding that power was the driving factor for a long time. And then at the time when we were developing Audio Hijack 3, after about 10 years, we said, all right, how can we make this more accessible to more people so that they don't have to be geeks and nerds and, and really dive into this? And that's, to me, that's that's the most fun thing because it's it's very difficult. And when you've done it right, you can tell because people say, oh, this just works. It's great. Uh, the, probably the biggest downside is that a lot of times people look at it and they say, oh, this is so easy. You know, how difficult could this have been? And like you said, making it, making it do these things is actually a, a tremendous amount of work. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we know at least how difficult it is. Yeah. So we won't spend too much more time on audio hijack, but I do, if there is anyone out there that's using a Mac and they're kind of cobbling things together or they just want to rock solid solution that it does work on the M1 silicon as well, then Audio Hijack to me is what I'm recommending to people now when they ask, I've got a Mac, what can I record calls with? And just for people that are wondering, well, I use Zoom. It's as simple in the the VoIP recording preset just to click on the block for your VoIP recorder, oh, sorry, your, your source, which would be Skype or whatever, and then change that to Zoom. Yep. Because the internal recorder in Zoom is... I would say don't use that if you want people <laughs> if you want people to actually enjoy listening to your show. So, so yeah. So you've got a bunch of other products, Paul, and you were kind enough, and I feel it's important to mention that you gave me access to some of the products that I didn't already own. I did pay for Audio Hijack originally, though. I just want to make that clear to everybody. So I played with a little app called Vision, and I'd never understood the value to my own ears of a lossless editor like cuz I do for I do a little 45 second comedy skit show and I won't say what it's about here cuz some of it's not particularly safe for work but it's a very short show and I record that straight into a digital recorder through a DBX channel strip thing so the noise gate's already in there and the compression so it's basically ready all I'm doing is editing the file right and I loved being able to put something in there 
and then it came out the same. Cause, so could you talk about maybe what happens in an editor when you normally import a file in terms of there's decoding and encoding that people probably don't realize is even happening? Right. So MP3 and AAC are probably the two, well, they're two of the most popular audio formats in the world. Yeah. And MP3, everybody knows, AAC is really very similar to MP3. It doesn't really matter that it's different. It's a compressed audio format. And what that means is that it's a lossily compressed audio format. And what that means is that, one, instead of it being very, very large, like a raw audio file is, it's much smaller. But lossy compression means that some amount of quality is being lost when it's compressed down to that smaller file. So you're losing something, some portion of the audio. And ideally, you don't really hear that. You don't really notice it. But... Certainly people who are focused on audio can can tell the difference between a lossily compressed file and a, and a losslessly compressed file. And definitely when you're doing any sort of editing, you don't want to lose quality until the very end. So if you're recording something to MP3 and then you edit it, in most audio editors, what happens is that it decompresses it to a raw audio format. Uh, you edit it, you crop it, you cut off the ends, you fade some audio, whatever you're doing, and then it recompresses it. And the analogy I always use is one that I think it still makes sense to most people. It's like if you make a photocopy of a photocopy. Every time you do that, you're going to lose some quality because the photocopier doesn't get an exact replica of what you uh, originally had. Can I just maybe can I maybe expand the, the analogy a little bit? Because that's a perfect thing. It just made me think. It's almost like if you've got an MP3 or an AAC, that's an A6. And you put it on the copier and you're blowing it up without realizing to an A4. Right. And then when you export it again, you're actually taking that now expanded A4 and then trying to squash it back down again to an A6. Yeah. I didn't know this was happening until I heard you say that on a podcast. I'm like, what are these editors doing there? Expanding files and... (laughs) Well, so the the issue is that editing inside of MP3, inside of these lossily compressed formats is either very difficult or there are certain tasks you simply cannot do uh, to a lossily compressed file. So you can't do audio effects, which is something that a lot of people want to do. But if you're saying you're doing those audio effects on the recording as it's happening, great. That means you've got an MP3 file at the end and you can say, all right, I just need to clip off the end uh, or, you know, fade out the beginning, fade in the beginning, whatever you want to do. And when you're doing it with Fission, with our audio editor, uh, it will uh, make those edits without having any quality loss and without adjusting the audio in any other way. So it's, 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 it's a trick that Alex, one of my co-founders, he worked for a long time on an audio editing library, and that's sort of underpinning Fission. It's something that is, it, it, it's interesting because this Fission initially came out in 2006, I think. So that's been around for almost 15 years now. And this trick at the time was, was nobody else was doing this, and it was something that we were able to tout. But at the same time, it's not necessarily sort of what has been our focus with the audio editor, because the other thing about audio editors, to me anyway, is that there are a ton of them, and they're all very complex. Mm. And what we felt that people needed, what we knew that people, what our, we knew that our users needed was a very simple audio editor. And so the idea for Fission was twofold. It was this lossless editing that we had up our sleeves, but it was also just a simple editor that would let you, like I said, cut out a chunk of audio, trim the ends, do some fades, uh, normalize the audio if you need to, but not, not something like Logic or 
Adobe Audition, something like that, where, you know, first of all, you're spending hundreds of dollars for the software, but also you're probably spending hours and hours just learning how to do even those simple tasks. So it's it's something where the focus of the software was very much on the simplicity and the trick up our sleeves of this lossless editing was not secondary, but it was at least sort of just a nice addition to that. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.